I'm Tisha Bader and in the news, the Ukraine refugee crisis. According to the United Nations, a staggering 2 million refugees have already fled Ukraine since Russia's invasion of the country on February the 24th. Over half of them are children. While a number of Israeli and Jewish organizations are on the ground in Ukraine and along its borders and in its bordering countries, providing critical humanitarian and medical aid. Israel's Natan Worldwide Disaster Relief Organization is set up in Poland with a team led by Dr. Dorit Nitsan. Dr. Nitsan served as the World Health Organization's Regional Emergencies Director in Europe until last month and has spent many years in Ukraine. She is now in Poland with a team of doctors, nurses, and other medical professionals providing critical medical and humanitarian aid to those seeking refuge from Ukraine. And we are privileged to have her joining us from Poland here on JBS. Dr. Nitsan, thank you so much for taking the time. I know this is an extremely difficult situation to be in and you're in the car. Can you tell us where you're coming from and where you're going to? Yes, we are coming from a refugee center that it's a center with about 4,000 people. And uh, some of our team, the two doctors, are going to work tonight in the station, in the point of care, in the Ukrainian side of the border with Poland. Are you now drive? Are you in Poland right now? Right now we are in Poland, but we're getting closer to the border. With Ukraine, I understand. Can you just tell us a little bit about what this experience has been for you so far? What are you seeing on the ground? I think that if uh, what we learned uh, yesterday when we were on the Ukrainian side, we saw many women and children, old ladies, uh, really going and being in cars, in buses, and those that, uh, I mean, I don't even know how many hours they were traveling up to that point, but they were standing uh, and, and waiting to get off the buses. And then just like in, in uh, you know, what we have in very, very bad memories of, of some of us, you know, really marching quietly with little bags, some of them with babies carrying the babies and the teenager children trying to take the luggage, the very small amount of luggage, cold, extremely cold, and um, not knowing what is expected in the next step. Then they were all accumulated or kind of gathered near the um, entry to Ukraine, uh, to Poland, sorry, but the Ukrainian uh, soldiers were standing there collecting the passports and then a batch like a cohort was allowed to move in we saw a child with suspected hypothermia the mother was crying it, it's heartbreaking i mean Tisha, I, I don't know what to tell you Tisha. it's it's it was appalling and and the fact that we were there and we just happened to go with them through that route made us understand what we see when they get to the center, that that's why they're so exhausted, so cold, so hungry, and so sick. 
And, and your team is there providing medical care, providing humanitarian care for them. How has that process been? So Natan is a worldwide relief organization and it is an organization that is uh, working every many many places at the same time all of natan's uh, experts and this is a real uh, unique organization where everybody is and is our experts all the experts are taking vacation from the work from hospitals from clinics and from uh, their private practices and all of them gather and come to, to donate those two weeks to work for humanity. And we already have the next shift coming in, ready to come in. And uh, so what we see, first of all, we need to coordinate. We get coordinated with WHO. And this time we're working really closely with WHO uh, to be coordinated with other organizations. We have partners that already joined us. So we are bigger and stronger. But what Natan's unique, uh, I think, um, uh, force and, and unique uh, contribution is being agile, flexible, and with real expertise. Now, Dorit, you, you mentioned the WHO, whom you've worked for, uh, for for many years, and you've seen various situations in the world of desperation and challenge, how would you compare this, what you're in right now, to what you've seen in the past? Yeah, I was in Ukraine between 2012 to 2016. I was the WHO representative there. And the devastation that I feel now is even, you know, it's more than any other place because we had so much hope. For Ukraine. So much has been achieved in the past years. And uh, it's a country that was rebuilding itself. And of course, it's different. Every, every disaster is full of tears and pain. Here, it's man-made and people are absolutely don't know what's going to be their destiny. And it's absolutely appalling. And I'd imagine, I know you have people dealing with the emotional and the traumatic impact of the refugees. What are some of the, what is the sense you're getting from them? What are they feeling? Or is this just terror? Are they, they just don't know what's going to happen next? They, we should also mention that most of the men, they've been leaving family members, husbands, sons, fathers, because men have to stay in Ukraine that are of conscription age, which is, I believe between 18 and 60. So that's an entire another level of trauma. Yes, exactly. And we saw, we saw men yesterday at the border, we saw the men saying goodbye to their kids and wives and moms. And, and we don't know if, if and when they will see them again and in where, what circumstances they will be. So this is something that is, um, yeah, unique also. And we see so many women and children with specific needs of women and children so we need to look at all these uh, aspects uh, as well while taking care from the socio-psychological uh, aspects. Um, what is really interesting is that the people, the women and the children are quiet. It's, you can see the fear, the depression, the being cold and sick and don't know, not knowing what happened here. 
So they, the, the team of experts work on the processing and working with them so professionally. It's not my profession, but they, I, when I see how they deal with it, the experts that are with our team, I, I, it's really something that you want to have in each and every team, such great experts. Dr. Nitsan, I know you're incredibly busy and we'll let you go. What are your hopes for this situation and anything you would like the world to know about what is happening in Ukraine? Yeah, I want the world to know what is happening and that's why I'm so grateful for your, uh, you know, your interview. And uh, we would like, um, uh, we are thankful for the countries that opened their hearts, their homes and their gates to these uh, women, children and people in general. But we all have to be ready for the morning after to rebuild a strong country with strong people to bring these wonderful people back home and to help them uh, have good life in their own country. Dr. Nitsan, you and your team are amazing. We want you to know that we are thinking of you and stand with you. And it is truly remarkable that as you said, everyone on your team has chosen, has volunteered to go and to help provide life-saving, critical humanitarian and medical care and we thank you truly for joining us on JBS and please keep us posted as you continue this amazing mission. Thank you so much for the time and thank you for your care. Thanks. Thank you. Dr. Dorit Nitsan is leading a humanitarian aid mission from Israel Natan Worldwide Disaster Relief Organization to Poland to help the refugees of Ukraine and we thank her for her time. Another organization on the ground is the Global Jewish Humanitarian Organization, the Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, or JDC. They are also set up in Poland and other neighboring countries and on Ukraine's borders, caring for thousands of refugees and providing them with food, medical care, shelter, and other essentials. CEO of the JDC, Ariel Zwang, just returned to New York from Poland, and we are privileged to have her joining us here on JBS. Ariel, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Tisha, thank you and for helping get the word out about this incredible need and also incredible response. Of course, so you're just back from Poland to New York. You know, we're seeing this situation, this, this devastating crisis unfold on television, on the news. You were there in person. Can you paint us a picture of what that was like for you to see with your own eyes and experience? Sure. Well, uh, for example, um, I was uh, at a place called Przemysl, which is right near the border. And there are several border crossings between Ukraine and Poland. Um, this was one of them. And what does it feel like? It feels like buses coming over the border. It feels like individuals with suitcases coming over the border. Uh, there's a large, um, I think, an empty big box store that had hundreds and hundreds of cots and people uh, on those cots waiting for the next thing. And I saw in their blue, light blue JDC jackets, our JDC colleagues, like a blue beacon of hope waiting 
for people that we knew were coming across the border. And I can talk about our system of hotlines and other kinds of communal institutions, but basically, especially in the earliest days, we would get individual notifications of people crossing the border. It could be a, a, a you know, a young mother who had just left her husband because the men are not allowed to leave, maybe with a baby in tow or a couple of kids going off into the unknown and seeing what's going to be on the other side. And the answer is JDC will meet you on the other side. We will provide information, food, a place to go, emotional support, and we'll help you figure out your next step, whatever that may be. Ariel, did you engage at all with any of the refugees? Did you have an opportunity for any personal interactions? And can you tell us what that was like? Yes, I did. And I'll give you an example of a family that I spoke with in a town called uh, Kajimirsh, which is, a, a, I'll call it a former shtetl, because World War II wiped out the Jewish population there. But there is a synagogue still standing, and like a lot of the synagogues in that part of the world, it's a museum, not a synagogue. And however, the Jewish community in Warsaw, it's in the mountains, bought kind of a guest house there, and this guest house was being used to receive refugees. And so there was a busload of uh, 14 people who had notified us that they were coming across the night before between midnight and 5 a.m. They had to cross as individuals. They did that. We waited. We brought them to this guest house. And the next day I spoke with them. The person, there was one family that we spoke with, young lady, um, 18 years old. And I just want to start by saying this young lady was in college until a couple of weeks ago. And she said, you know, when we got the call that the bus was leaving, we packed up whatever we could, closed the door, closed the refrigerator, left the food in the fridge, closed the door and left. And what she said is, I think, very indicative of, of the kinds of dilemmas people are facing. It was her, this young lady, her mother, and the mother's parents. The mother's parents are older and had a very tough time on the trip. And so we were in the process of bringing a doctor uh, to see whether they were well enough to keep traveling. And the thing that the, the family does have relatives in Israel. So if the grandparents could survive the trip to Israel, that's where they plan to go. And if the grandparents couldn't survive the trip to Israel, they had to figure out what they would do. And that's the kind of situation that this, you know, month before this was a, a family living their normal life an 18 year old kid in college. Today, she's translating the family's needs on behalf of three generations who are facing this kind of need. I could tell you another story. There was a, a, a family that we met and um, uh, it was a grandfather, a young grandfather who um, actually uh, was a Ukrainian man who had made Aliyah 10 years before, and he had a daughter living in Ukraine with a baby, a daughter and son-in-law and baby. And he started saying to this daughter, you got to get out of there. Um, this was even before the war broke out. And so she um, tried to get on a train for four days. She tried to get on a train. She kept getting pushed off. Imagine she's got a 19 month old baby with her. You need food, diapers, whatever. And she's getting pushed on and pushed off a train. Finally, 
with a lot of ingenuity, she um, she managed to get on the train before it left the station. So she was on the train and uh, got across the border. And JDC was there to meet her. And we reunited her with her father, who had come from Israel to Poland to do whatever he could do to help. Now, we were going to go see this family. And uh, it was probably about seven o'clock in the evening. And we got there, and the baby was crying. We woke the baby. And, you know, I'm a mom, I have kids, and I was ready to turn around and leave because I, I know what it's like to want your child to rest. And then there are things making that impossible. And we were ready to leave. And the father said, please don't leave. Please stay. They wanted to tell us what this had meant to them and express to the world the plight, but also the response that they received. So this mom, she looked young to me. And I said to her, and, and by the way, I have to say, so her husband was left behind. These are, you know, men from 18 to 50 are not, uh, 18 to 60 are conscripted. They're not allowed to leave. So she left her husband, she took her baby and she came. I said to her, how old are you? If you don't mind my asking, how old are you? 22 years old. So think about the 22 year olds you know in your life and the kind of life experiences that they face and what this young lady had just been through. All I can say is thank goodness JDC and the largest Jew, larger Jewish world are there to help. And what would you say her, her emotional state was when you were speaking with her? You know, I, I think these kinds of traumas don't only exhibit themselves in the moment. And, and I've spent decades of my career working with people in communities in need where, where trauma has been a major element of it. There are a variety of stages of coping. This woman was focused at that particular moment on her crying baby. She wasn't really thinking about a lot else. And also she was in an apartment with her father, with food, with diapers, with clothes that had been donated by the Jewish community. So she was also able to focus on her crying baby. And I guess I would say both of those things. Now, you mentioned your years of, of work, this kind of work in the public sphere, dealing with challenges, dealing with difficult situations. You're just back. How has this specific situation impacted you personally, if I can ask? And, and how does it sort of compare to the work you've done in the past and the things you've seen in the past in the world? You know, I, I was prepared to see pain and suffering um, because having seen pain and suffering before, you know, I expected that. You don't get used to it. Um, you can't get used to it because if you do, you're no longer able to be fully emotionally present and do your job. So um, I carry with me in my heart the people that I met, I think about them, you know, they come to me in, in moments. And, um, and everyone in this world, whether you're working on the front lines, actually bringing people across the border and providing them with actual food from your own hands, or whether you're watching from half a world away and what you can contribute 
um, is uh, financial support or advocacy or anything else, we all have our part to play. And for myself, my own reaction is to focus on the part that I'm able to play and that great, great privilege of being with JDC that JDC is, is able to play. And, and, and that's what makes anything tolerable for me is that knowing how much is possible in the response. Well, we certainly thank you and your team, um, volunteers giving of their time, of their expertise to do whatever they can to help the refugees coming from Ukraine. And uh, we, we support their work going forward. It is not, um, I know it is a long-term mission right? and it will go, be going on for some time. So we, we thank you and appreciate it greatly. Thank you, Tisha. You're right. It's a marathon. This is, this is not a sprint. This is going to be a marathon. Well, we hope uh, and pray for a, a resolution to this conflict, certainly. And in the meantime, uh, our thanks truly to all the organizations on the ground that are providing um, these, this life-saving support and help. Well, on behalf of JDC, thank you for helping get the word out. Thank you so much. Ariel Zwang is CEO of the JDC, the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee. And we thank her so much and her team for their work. And thank you, Ariel, for your time joining us today on JBS. Thank you. And thank you to our director, Sloan Copeland, JBS Managing Director, Dara Golub, Technical Manager, Michael Paley, Transmission Manager, John McDevitt, and Producer, Carol Lilienthal. And thank you for watching In the News. Be well.